Kia ora. Welcome to the Coronavirus Podcast. My name's Janella and I'm an engineer based in Wellington. Right now I'm working from home. Bit unsure about my new co-workers, Whiskey the Cat has found his new favourite place on top of my keyboard. Kia ora Janella, kia ora Whiskey the Cat, and kia ora to all of you listening to the very first episode of RNZ's Coronavirus Podcast. I'm your host, Indira Stewart. Every weekday, I'm going to be bringing you the latest news on coronavirus from New Zealand and around the world. We'll be talking to communities affected by the virus and also sharing stories from ordinary Kiwis caught up in the outbreak. If you'd like to share your story with us, just like Janella with Whiskey the Cat, then you can do that through RNZ's Vox Pop app. It's free and really easy to use. Just download it to your smartphone and you can send through your own voice messages, questions and you can even record your own intro for the show. On today's show we're going to get some of your questions about coronavirus answered by Otago University Public Health Epidemiologist Dr Patricia Priest. But first let's get to the latest news. I'm speaking directly to all New Zealanders today to give you as much certainty and clarity as we can as we fight COVID-19. Over the weekend, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern announced a new four-level COVID-19 alert system. At each level, there are things we need you to do to keep you safe. New Zealand is currently at level two of this new system. This is when we move to reduce our contact with one another. We increase our border measures and we cancel events. This is also the level where we ask people to work differently if they can and cancel unnecessary travel. Some of the measures, like border restrictions and event cancellations, were already in place, but others are new, including new recommendations for self-isolation. Today we are asking people over 70 years of age or people who have compromised immunity or underlying respiratory conditions to stay at home as much as they can. Jacinda Ardern says that means the community will need to step up to help those who have to remain at home. Like keeping in contact and dropping off food or other supplies. When you do, make sure you are not sick, that you are using good hand washing practices and you're keeping your distance. Alert Level 2 also requests people work from home if possible and cancel all non-essential travel. Schools will only close on a case-by-case basis, and today some Auckland schools will close for three days due to having cases confirmed or establishing links to confirmed cases. We may not have experienced anything like this in our lifetimes, but we know how to rally and we know how to look after one another. And right now, what could be more important than that? So thank you for all that you're about to do. Please be strong, be kind and unite against COVID-19. Over the weekend, the Ministry of Health also announced two possible cases of community spread. That's when a person has been infected with COVID-19 without coming into contact with a person who caught it overseas. But it says more investigation is needed to officially confirm whether community spread is happening. Around the world, there's now been about 300,000 confirmed cases and more than 13,000 deaths and 93,000 people have recovered. Italy reported nearly 800 coronavirus deaths on Saturday and saw its toll for the past month reach 4,825, the highest in the world. 
The number of deaths in the UK rose to 244 on Sunday as cases topped 5,000. There are fears its death toll is rising at a similar rate or even faster than in Italy. Cases in the US have climbed to almost 27,000 over the weekend and at least 340 people have died. About a fifth of Americans are in lockdown. Australia is shutting down non-essential services as coronavirus cases rise to 1,315. Seven people have died from COVID-19 so far. The latest reports from the Pacific have recorded more than 50 cases now across the region. 26 in Hawaii, 12 in Guam, 11 in French Polynesia, 2 in New Caledonia and 1 in Fiji. Back home, if you're worried you've been exposed... The first thing you should do is call the dedicated Healthline number. That's 0800 358 5453. Now we know this is a lot of news that can be hard to take in with the world in the grip of this deadly pandemic. But it's a good time to be reminded that as Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern said when she ended her address to the nation on Saturday, we know how to look after one another. And right now that's really important. Be strong, be kind, and let's all play our part in tackling COVID-19 in our country. We know a lot of you have lots of questions about coronavirus. Some of you have already sent them through via RNZ's Vox Pop app. So to answer some of those questions, our producer William Ray sat down and linked up for a Skype chat with Otago University public health epidemiologist Dr Patricia Priest. Okay, so um, Dr. Priest, um, over the weekend there's a couple of um, big events happening, big changes. Um, one of the major ones was there were some confirmed cases of coronavirus in New Zealand which might involve community spread. C- can you just explain what is community spread? So up until recently, all the cases that we've had reported in New Zealand have had a direct link to travel. So that means that they or someone that they've been in contact with has been overseas recently. So we assumed that they were infected outside New Zealand. So community spread means that we're seeing people with coronavirus infection who are not in that situation. So we assume they must have been infected by somebody in the community in New Zealand rather than overseas. And these are still unconfirmed cases. But, I mean, should we kind of be assuming that community spread is happening, even if it's not officially confirmed? It seems unlikely that there is really no community spread in New Zealand at this point. You know, most countries who have had some travel-associated cases um, will have community spread eventually, and it's it's hard to be sure whether we have it or not. The assumption has been that there isn't because we haven't found community cases, uh, but it seems that now we are finding some cases where there's no clear link to travel. So, at that point, we uh, will be able to say that we definitely have community spread once they've finished the investigation of those cases. The other big news was the Prime Minister announcing the new four-level alert system this weekend and saying that we were moving up from level one to level two. From your perspective, what does that mean in terms of sort of limiting the spread of the virus? So level two is kind of like starting to do more physical distancing and I guess kind of preparing for even more serious physical distancing. So we're still trying to stop the virus coming into the country 
And we're still trying to stop people who come into the country who might be infected from spreading it. But we're now moving to work harder at behaving in ways that will stop us spreading it to each other. So, as you know, there's more restrictions on mass gatherings and we're thinking harder about staying away from each other on public transport, not travelling unless we have to. And employers are being asked to start exploring ways to work that allow for physical distancing. Um, And they're also specifically asking people at higher risk of more serious disease to stay at home. So it's kind of stepping up from where we were and thinking about what we will be needing needing to think about and do when we get to more rigorous social distancing at level three if we get there. Yeah, I mean, so we've actually had a question come in on um, alert level three. I'll just um, play that for you now. I want to know what alert number three, seeing that that's going to be probably the next alert New Zealand hits, is going to look like. I'm assuming we're not going to be able to go out and you know have a cup of coffee anymore but are restaurants still going to be able to stay open to deliver food? Is the hospitality industry just going to die? What's Alert 3 going to look like? So just specifically on that question about the hospitality industry, I mean, obviously the government has provided some um, support for businesses struggling with coronavirus. They haven't given any particular specific advice on what will happen with cafes and bars and restaurants under level three. Although I do know that overseas um, food delivery services have basically kept going throughout and the government's been very clear that supermarkets in particular and pharmacies and other critical stores will remain open basically no matter what. But I wonder, Dr. Priest, if sort of you could answer that question more generally, what will level three look like given, you know, it is the next rung up? Yes, so level three ramps up the physical distancing considerably. We know at this stage that the virus is spreading in the community, so we have to work really hard to reduce the risk of us infecting each other. So we're limiting travel, much more stringent requirements for cancelling mass gatherings. Uh, We'd be closing public facilities like libraries and museums and cinemas and so on. And at that point, employers are actually required to work in different ways to maximise physical distancing and indeed some businesses will close. Non-urgent hospital services will be postponed so that healthcare staff and facilities can respond to COVID-19. Now some of these things are already being done in some places so we do have organisations preparing quite well and strongly for level three by in some cases doing some of these things to give them breathing space to think about how they're going to deliver services differently and in some cases getting a bit ahead of the game by uh, starting to close, for example, uh, libraries down here in Dunedin. The public libraries have been closed already. So I've seen quite a bit of social media um, posts, people sort of suggesting that they should be self-isolating with their families right now instead of waiting for the for the alert three or for or for four. I mean, is there any harm to to sort of taking these steps a bit earlier? Yeah, it's interesting. So, just wanted to say that self-isolation is a term that's being used specifically for people who might be infected because they've been overseas or in contact with a known case. And self-isolation means trying to avoid contact with essentially all other people. 
the government's alert system does ask everyone to stay at home at level four, but not till then. Um, so I guess for each family, the decision is for them to take. The downsides of completely removing yourself from society early could include that if schools or employers haven't yet got themselves set up for you to be learning or working at home, that it might be difficult to keep up with that. I think that in general, the government's advice is, you know, that's the advice we should be following. But if people feel particularly strongly that they should uh, stay at home early, um, I guess they need to think through in their own lives all the all the ways in which that might be a problem and decide what's best for them. One thing we've seen um, in going from level one to level two is this change in, in people who are vulnerable to um, go ahead and self-isolate. There's a little bit of confusion about exactly what level of sort of pre-existing condition you need to have. I've seen particularly a lot of questions around things like um, diabetes and also people who are pregnant. Can you speak to any of those? Yeah, the government's website that talks about who should self-isolate does include people with diabetes in that group uh, as well as people with respiratory conditions and heart conditions. That advice will be based on what we've seen overseas about the risk of more severe disease. Um, with pregnancy, I don't think we're really sure about the impact of COVID-19 on pregnant people. Um, but given that pregnancy, it does have a kind of... Um, it does entail some changes to your immune system. Uh, it may be wise to stay home if you're pregnant or at least be very, very rigorous about your physical distancing. So we've got another question in here which has been sent in by Vox Pop. How contagious is the virus pre-symptom, so when you're asymptomatic? We won't know for sure how contagious the virus is when you're asymptomatic for a period of time because... If you've got the virus from someone who didn't have symptoms, you probably don't know that you got it from them. It seems that you probably can infect other people at least just before you start getting symptoms. Um, in terms of how contagious, I couldn't say. Given that we think much of the um, transmission is through droplets that come from when you're coughing and sneezing, it would seem reasonable to assume that you're more contagious once you're coughing and sneezing than beforehand. Look, a lot of people have sort of questions around the social side of this, and actually one of these questions came in via Vox Pop. So I'm getting a haircut today, and the hairdresser coughed into her hand. There's elderly people um, getting their hair cut nearby. Should I have said something, and how could I have phrased this in a way that wasn't judgmental? It's really tricky, isn't it? It's really important that we all change the way we behave around coughing, but it's also really important that we all continue to be kind and considerate about how we treat each other. I wonder whether maybe, because of course we're all carrying tissues these days, uh, it would be worth asking the hairdresser whether she'd like a tissue. If you're feeling very um, educative, you could say something like, did you know it's much safer to cough into a tissue and throw it away rather than cough into your hands? And you could, if you feel uncomfortable, maybe ask if she wouldn't mind washing her hands before carrying on with your haircut. 
I like the aspect of the question about phrasing it in a way that's not judgmental because we do need to um, focus on maintaining good relationships with each other as well. Yeah, because there are all kinds of questions like this. Like if someone has a has a wedding coming up or, or a big birthday party coming up, maybe you're one of the attendees and you're sort of thinking, how do I say to this person gently, this is not a good idea? And like how do you actually most effectively, I guess, get them to not do that potentially risky behaviour without starting some enormous fight? I mean, you'd, you'd hope that people are aware of all of the stuff that's going on with this, it would be pretty hard not to be. And, you know, at this point, the advice from the government would be that the usual kinds of things that you do to reduce the risk of uh, transmission, like asking people not to come if they're not well, um, asking people not to come if they are supposed to be in self-isolation. I guess if you're really worried that the people who are organising it might not be aware of all this, again, you could kind of respectfully and kindly say, would you like me to help you talk through the issues about coronavirus while you're trying to decide how to manage your wedding in this um, period? I mean, as we do get up to, I mean, presumably we, we get up to level three and these sort of events are sort of being much more aggressively discouraged. Is there a way to engage with people who are not taking it seriously? Because I think we all have one or two uh, friends or family or maybe um, contacts on Facebook or things like that who are still just refusing to take this particularly seriously. Again, it's kind of if you have a relationship with someone where you can talk about difficult things, then this is another thing that you might need to talk about. I think because it's really hard to imagine how this is going to be and we all like to think that we're somewhat invulnerable and you know if you're in the age group which is less at risk that's a helps you to feel even more invulnerable infectious diseases are um they're kind of par excellence the thing that makes it necessary for us to behave as a society rather than as self-interested individuals because we pass them to each other I guess if you could have a wedding with the, with the celebrant and the couple at a safe distance from each other, not the couple separated, but the couple standing <laughs> two metres from the celebrant and have the whole thing on Skype so that nobody else has to be in the room, if you really wanted to. I mean, it's not quite what we imagine a wedding is all about, but um, I you think would, we have you... to prioritise and we have to be creative. You wouldn't forget it, would you? You certainly wouldn't, and it would be all on film if you wanted to record it. Dr Patricia Priest will be a regular guest on the show and if you've got your own questions for her, then please send them through RNZ's Vox Pop app. You can also get in touch through Facebook and Twitter. This outbreak is still in its early stages in Aotearoa, but for some New Zealanders, it's already having really serious impacts. I want to read you a message we got a few days ago from a woman called Lauren. Lauren recently flew back home to New Zealand from Amsterdam. She came back because her mum has been diagnosed with terminal cancer. And here's what she wrote. I got back the day they started the quarantine rule. After discussion with mum's doctors, it was clear that me being at home with her is more important than me staying at another house. At this stage, mum getting COVID-19 would be irrelevant to her prognosis. But 
I still need to follow strict isolation rules, like using my own utensils, towels, etc. We've set up designated areas, bathrooms and certain couch spots as Lauren only to minimise my contact. The tragic part about following these measures is that I can't hug anyone, not even my mum. Not just because I don't want to put her at risk, but because I don't want to put the other people still hugging her at risk. It's only 14 days, but that is also 14 days out of the remaining weeks of my mum's life. As you're going about your daily life, keep people like Lauren in your thoughts. Remember, just like Dr Patricia Priest said, we're all part of the response to this pandemic. The small actions you take right now might end up having an enormous impact on the lives of your fellow New Zealanders. So what can you do? It's just the basic stuff. Do your best to avoid catching the virus and spreading it to other people. Wash your hands frequently and follow the guidelines to do it properly. Sing happy birthday twice. Another verse for me, I like to sing Beyonce's Love on Top. That verse is 20 seconds long, but make sure you wash your hands for 20 seconds. Cough into your elbow, avoid touching your face, maintain social distance, and if it's possible, work from home like Janella with Whiskey the Cat. Share good, helpful information. Don't spread rumours or scary photos from social media. The most important tool we have against COVID-19 is our community, and you need to do your bit to keep that community calm and unified. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Until then, kia kaha. The Coronavirus Podcast is presented by me, Indira Stewart. The producer is William Ray and the executive producer is Tim Watkin. Our engineer is Rangi Powick. You can subscribe to the Coronavirus Podcast anywhere and it's totally free. Just go to the series and podcast page at rnz.co.nz. Listener.